It is time to dig deep with Stacy and Stacy, a podcast for anyone hungry for God and willing to tackle today's relevant issues with authentic conversations inspired by Holy Scripture, prayer, and devotion to the sacraments. Hosted by two Texas gals who went to the same country Baptist church as little girls, had crazy lives, and found each other again decades later as Catholic convert wives and moms. Get ready, y'all. They're fixing to get real. I'm Stacey Tresantos. And I'm Stacey Farquharson. Good morning. This is the 36th episode of the second season of the Stacey and Stacey podcast, Monday, October 31st. It's the 31st week in ordinary time, and I cannot believe we have done 35 episodes already. (laughs) But we want to thank you again for joining us this morning for some scripture and tradition. After our quick prayer and scripture reflection, Stacy Trasenkos is going to talk to us today from the Catechism of the Catholic Church. And Stacy, I love that you're doing this. It's truly been a blessing to me. I have started reading along with you and hearing how you explain the catechism is a wonderful and I, I look forward to it every morning. So tell us what you're going to be talking about today. Awesome. Yeah, I'm enjoying it too. I'm enjoying just going through it in order, in the order in which it's presented, just reading through it like a textbook. It's, yeah. I'm learning a lot too, or just cementing things. Today's lesson is on it's um, lesson. It's it's on page twenty six. If you're using the USCCB catechism, it is. Um, let me see if I can get all the numbers right. <laughs> it's part one, the profession of faith, section one. We believe under chapter two, God comes to meet man, and article two under that, the transmission of di- divine revelation. Last time we talked about the apostolic tradition and what it is. Today we talk about the relationship between tradition and sacred scripture. And by relationship, we mean how they communicate with one another. And it's kind of cool because that's what Stacy and I are doing too. Mm-hmm. We're like, like um, she's doing scripture and, and I have been talking about tradition by reading the catechism of the church. But then we take both of those things and apply them to current issues and yeah. things going on in our lives as Catholic wives and moms ourselves. So I do love this. I think it's a blessing for our lives. I think we're very fortunate to have it from the Catholic Church. And I can't wait to talk about sacred tradition and sacred scripture after Stacy talks about sacred scripture for today, <laughs> for today's reading. It all fits together. Yes, it does. It does. Okay. Well, let's say our prayer and we'll get started. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, Lord, thank you. Thank you for this day. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for being with each of us. Thank you for being here right now, part of this conversation today. We ask that you lead and direct our steps always toward you and your will for our lives. Please open the eyes of our understanding that we might comprehend the scriptures. Give us fresh eyes to see you and ears to hear you, Lord. Mother Mary, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, grab your cup of tea, cup of coffee. I've got mine. And your Bible and spend some time with the Lord today. My husband just brought me coffee. Oh, that's so nice. I'm ready for you, (laughs) Stacey. Okay, well, today we're going to be talking about the daily reading. It is found in the book of Philippians, um, chapter 
two, let's see here. Chapter two, the first four verses, um, it says, Brothers and sisters, if there is any encouragement in Christ, any solace in love, any participation in the spirit, any compassion and mercy, complete my joy by being of the same mind with the same love, united in heart, thinking one thing, do nothing out of selfishness or out of vainglory, rather humbly regard, regard others as more important than yourselves, each looking out not for his own interests, but also everyone for those of others. Okay, so these scriptures got me thinking about how we've been talking about walking in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ and also how we can walk together in unity. He says, complete my joy by being of the same mind. Make my joy complete by getting along. That's what I heard. <laughs> and again, I know I've said this before, but when my kids were little, they asked me every Christmas, every Mother's Day, every birthday, Mom, what do you want? I always said the same thing. <laughs> get along. Just get along. No fighting. <laughs> it would make me so happy if for one day I didn't have to break up a fight between <laughs> you and your siblings. <laughs> I mean, with so many strong personalities mm -hmm. in the house, it was hard for everyone to always get along. But that is what mm -hmm. I always ask for. But this reading today reminds me of a scripture in 1 Corinthians, the first chapter. And it says, I appeal to you. Come on, brothers and sisters. I'm appealing to you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you be in agreement and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same purpose. This is such a great scripture. I pray this scripture over my marriage. Uh, anyone who asks for prayer over their marriage, I've always prayed this scripture because it talks about unity. It talks about, you know, standing together in the same mind, the same purpose. It's so important for kids to see parents on the same page. But when we walk in agreement, we're walking in unity, getting along, not having those divisions and strife. And then we fill our homes with peace. And I know this can be a tall order. Trust me, I know. But even even with all the strong personalities in my house, my favorite memories are my kids laughing and getting along and having fun. And the enemy wants to come in and divide and conquer. That's kind of his M.O. He does not want unity. He is the author of confusion. But God is a God of order because, as we know, a house divided cannot stand. And I knew a family one time. I, I knew a family. Um, there were a couple boys um, around my kid's age. And the dad would make them fight. I mean, he would encourage them to fight. He would yell at them, get him, hit him, take him down. I mean, he would just uh, incite these fights and oh he would gosh. cause them to escalate and he raised these boys to be mm. very competitive and to physically fight to verbally fight and there was always contention and arguing and fighting in that home it was hard to be around and I mean a house divided will not stand and eventually that house it had it didn't stand I mean it had no unity and it fell the family mm. fell apart mom and dad got a divorce the kids grew up and uh, not all of them got along. So Psalm 133 says, 
How wonderful and delightful is it for brothers to live together in unity. And I think about that meaning brothers and sisters in a family, but I think about it also meaning all of us, the body of Christ, God's family, God's children. He wants us to get along. And and I think, you know, if what brought me joy, like I said, with my kids getting along, then I think perhaps that would bring God joy as well for his children to get along. Stacey, you said something about that the other day, Mother Mary looking yeah. at, at her kids and wanting her kids to get <laughs> along. And I, I thought the same thing of this today, this morning, but about God. In these scripture, Paul is saying, as their spiritual father, complete my joy. And then he tells them how? By being of the same mind, with the same love, united in heart, thinking one thing. Think about the same thing, being in agreement, loving the same thing, walking in unity. Well, what is the one thing that brings peace? The Prince of Peace brings unity. That's Jesus. Our focus is always to be on Jesus. I noticed that my daughter had a bracelet on the other day. It was a what would Jesus do bracelet. And I was like, I didn't know you had that. I was excited to see that she was wearing that. But it, you know, I, I was thinking, oh, good. Her focus, maybe her focus is on Jesus. Yay. <laughs> but in scripture, it says to imitate the Lord, be imitators of God. We are to walk united in heart, walk in love, be on the same page, unified, agreeing. Now, unity, being in unity doesn't mean being uniform. It doesn't mean all of us like robots or all of us dressing the same way. I mean, we homeschooled for five years and when we got, they got a little bit older, they went to private, uh, private school and they had the, same, the dress code where everybody, you know, wore the same thing, but that's not what we're talking about here. What I take from this is that we all stay focused on Jesus, what he says, his heart, walking in his love for one another, pursuing him. When you and your spouse are both so excited about God and serving him together, when you come together in your, with your spouse and study the Bible and pray together and see God together, it strengthens a marriage. When you're not standing in agreement and walking in the love of Christ and you have disagreement, strife and division, the house becomes divided and it weakens a marriage. So now I know we're not always going to get along on everything. I mean, no, we don't always agree on everything all the time. But when we do disagree, we don't let the sun go down on our anger and we speak the truth in love. And like we said last week on the podcast, sometimes to maintain peace, we have to be willing to let go of our right to be right by turning the other cheek. In Romans 12, this reminds me of of uh, Romans 12. It's it's one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. And I encourage you to go back and read it, the, the whole chapter, because it starts out by telling us, again, I appeal to you. I beseech you. I'm begging you, brothers and sisters, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, holy, set apart for God's work, which is just your reasonable service. It's like this is the bare minimum. Don't be conformed to this world, the world's way of doing, the world's way of thinking, coping, com com comforting, um, dealing with things. But be transformed by the renewing of your minds. And how do we transform and renew our minds? Well, I think one way 
is to read the Bible. But there is a reason for all this. Why do we present our bodies a living sacrifice and set ourselves apart? Why are we transformed and not conformed to this world? So that we can discern what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And the rest of the chapter basically, basically goes on to tell us how to conduct ourselves. And it reminds me of our reading for today. Live in harmony with one another. Uh, don't claim to be wiser than you are. Don't repay evil for evil. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peacefully with all, with all, with everyone. Um, it says, don't avenge yourself, that the vengeance is the Lord. He will repay, it says. If your enemy's hungry, feed him. If you're thirsty, if the enemy's thirsty, give them something to drink. Don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Proverbs 15 tells us that a soft answer turns away wrath. So I love that the Bible tells us how to do this. We are not told to think more highly of ourselves than we should. It's easier for us to consider. We're supposed to consider other people's feelings on their interests, uh, not be selfish, uh, not be attention seeking. Okay, so we know what to do. We walk in unity. We love one another. We stay focused on God. Again, what you focus on grows. As much as is up to us, we walk in peace. We know how to do it now. We, we put others first. We're to be considerate, be humble. Don't be attention seeking, always needing recognition. Sometimes we have to work behind the scenes because we have to remember that we, in everything that we do, we do to the glory of God. He's the one that gives the increase. He's the one that gives the rewards. God doesn't want us to be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. All of this to say, I think this is one way that we can live in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Yeah, I was thinking, I remember there have been times in my faith journey, in my in my life, in my marriage, and in, in relationships, when I've taken some of that, and I, and I, like, I didn't have the personality to know what it meant to walk in peace, to be at peace with others, to put others first. There were times when I was behaving codependently, and, and I misinterpreted that um, to be to mean that I should just be a doormat. And uh, I was thinking there was something I explained to my daughters. There's a, a book. I like this book. I know it's, it's gotten some criticism, but it's called Under Pressure, Confronting the Epidemic of Stress and Anxiety in Girls. And it's written by a woman who has daughters herself, uh, herself um, Lisa Damore, D-A-M-O-U-R. And she is a, a psychologist and she works with teenage girls in a school. So she's got a lot of experience with teenage girls. And she she's the one that wrote about don't, you know, let your glitter settle, no, let your neurons no. stop firing. And I, I love found that. that very I found that very useful. She had another little metaphor that I found useful. Um, even when helping my daughters navigate their own friendships um, and, and their relationships with each other because they do fight. They're very close and that means they fight a lot. So she said, don't be a doormat but don't be a bulldozer either. So when you're trying to figure out how to be at peace with someone, it doesn't mean the Bible's not saying here, lay down and be a doormat and just yeah. let people walk all over you. But also don't be a bulldozer. Like if, if you are right and you know you're right and you need to stand up for the truth and love, don't plow the other person down. Um, mm -hmm. But she said, think of yourself more as a, this was very Christian. I thought she said, think of yourself more as a column. And so I told my girls, that's that's like Mary. Think of yourself like Mary standing on top of the world, crushing the snake, 
she's being a column from heaven to earth and she's standing for what's right. She's not being a doormat, but she's also being gentle and kind and strong. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I told them, try, you know, I, I turned her metaphor um, in her book about teenage girls anxiety, I turned it into a Christian thing. Um, mm -hmm. And be try to be more like Mary women as we yeah. figure out what to do because because it's not okay to be a doormat. No, um, obviously, sometimes, sometimes it's hard to find that balance, right? It is. I mean, you know, we, we've talked about you got to know what your non-negotiables are and the things that you don't want to budge on. Mm -hmm. I mean, Paul himself, you know, he's the one saying this, but he also knew what his non-negotiables were. And that took him all the way to you know, he was mm -hmm. martyred for what he stood for and what he believed. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, no, it's, it's not saying lay down, but it is, like I said, it is trying to as much as depends on you live at mm -hmm. peace with others. And but, there's so uh, much there. Yeah. There's, yeah. There's and, so and also there. I think, you know, you got to pick your battles, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. You got to pick your battles. Yeah. There's a lot to that, but that, I mean, that's why it's important. Like you say, Stacy, to come back to the Bible every day and read it. And you'll, you'll read what you need to read for today to get through the decisions you're trying to make today. Mm -hmm. um, how to knowing that the goal is unity and knowing to speak the truth in love. It, those are guiding principles that help you figure out what you need to do in the moment. And it's not easy. It's no, not easy doing all of easy. that stuff. It's, it's easier just to sit alone in your office and work on the computer and not deal with people sometimes. It is. And, <laughs> and I think we talked the other day about how, you know, it's harder to, to bite your tongue than it mm -hmm. is just to, you know, leash it, re release it on people. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes. And I, I do feel like in my fifties, I'm much better at this stuff than I was in my twenties, thirties or forties. So if you're younger, um, there is something to be said for gaining wisdom and experience as you get older. I'm much more mellow Stacy now than I used to be. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Well, on to scripture and tradition in tradition. Uh, what does the church say about that? This, I thought this was really neat because Stacy and I, like both of our names start with ST and we're talking about scripture that starts with an S and tradition that starts with a T. Oh, there you go. <laughs> no, I'm being silly. Th that is turning into what we're doing every day is the scripture and then the tradition from the catechism, just going through the catechism, all with all trying to bring those into the relevant issues that we're all dealing with today, relationships, raising kids, um, dealing with things going on in the world and in the church. I love the lesson for today, and it is um, the parts of the catechism. I like to give those in case you want to look them up. I, I gave earlier like the part, the chapter, the section, all that. But the catechism is also just listed by number of paragraphs. So we're on um, paragraph or section, however you want to call it, 80 through 83. So just 80 through 83, taking three little sections of the catechism and going through that today. And it's called the relationship between scripture and tradition. The relationship between scripture and tradition. This is so cool. And a lot of this, I know Stacy will be delighted here, comes from De Verbum. Mm -hmm. And so if you look at the catechism, you'll see references to DV. That stands for De Verbum. And it is one of the main, if not the main encyclical on how to read the Bible and how to understand what tradition is. 
So we talked about the apostolic tradition last time, taking that up again. There is one common source, one common source of what? Of revelation, of what God told us, of how God reveals himself to us, which is why it's so important that Stacy and I are going through scripture and tradition every morning. This is how God reveals himself to us anew every day and for all time guarded by the Catholic Church. The Catechism says here there's one common source, sacred tradition and sacred scripture then are bound closely together and communicate with one another. That's from De Verbum. For mm -hmm. both of them flowing out of the same divine wellspring come together in some fashion to form one thing and move towards the same goal. Just talking about getting along here. And I love that word wellspring. That's something they actually taught us when I was taking my theology courses. I love that language of the divine wellspring. You're kind of like drinking water from this eternal spring of truth when you turn to scripture and tradition. And like you say, Stacy, the word is living and it speaks to you new every day. It is, it is this wellspring of, from God. It's, it's God's talking to us and we can avail ourselves of it. You just simply have to go to that spring and, and drink, right? You have to be willing mm -hmm. to um, open your mind and drink it in. Mm -hmm. Each of these scripture and tradition makes present and faithful in the church, the mystery of Christ who promised to remain with us with his own always to the close of the age. So that is how Christ is with us by the scripture that we have in the Bible, by the traditions of the Catholic church. And they call it two distinct modes of transmission. So handing it on. Sacred scripture is the speech of God as it is put down in writing under the breath of the Holy Spirit. So, so written by human authors, inspired and breathed by God. Tradition, and this is where we differ from Protestants. So focus on that a little bit more. Holy tradition, capital T tradition. So we capitalize sacred scripture and we capitalize tradition, both capitalized. Transmits its in its entirety the word of God, which has been entrusted to the apostles by Christ the Lord and the Holy Spirit. It transmits it, the tradition, to the successors of the apostles so that enlightened by the spirit of truth, they may faithfully preserve, expound, and spread it abroad by their preaching. So think about it. In the early days of the apostles, there was no New Testament. It hadn't been, it hadn't been laid down yet. So as a, as a result, the church to whom the transmission and interpretation of revelation is entrusted, that's what we mean when we say the magisterium guards the deposit of faith, the church does not derive her certainty about revealed truth from the Holy Scriptures alone. Both scripture and tradition must be accepted and honored with equal sentiments of devotion and reverence. Now, what is tradition then if we're not talking about what's in scripture? The biggest one is the liturgical practices in in Mass and how we uh, have the parts of the Mass, how we have the sacraments that, um, you know, the sacraments of initiation, baptism, reconciliation, which is confession, um, confirmation, and receiving the Holy Eucharist. Those are, that's four of the, those are the sacraments of initiation. And then there are the sacraments after that, holy orders, if you become a priest, the sacrament of matrimony, if you become married, so they have to do with your vocation, and then um, 
the the sacrament of the last rites, extreme unction, it's sometimes called um, the anointing of the sick. So we we have these sacraments to help us live out our faith. They're based on scripture, but they're also handed down. The practices are handed down through tradition from from the early church fathers and the apostles. And if you're new to Catholicism and you don't understand what I'm saying about there, you're like, well, how do you know? Aren't y'all just making up stuff? No, no, absolutely not. There is in the catechism here, you will see references not only to scripture, but also to encyclicals and writings of the early church fathers. The New Testament scriptures, like the one Stacy was reading to the Galatians this morning, that's part of the tradition too, because St. Paul was writing that. But there are other things that were handed on verbally and passed down through tradition. And we, ha- and we have the written history of that in the church. So it's not, we don't still just like, hey, psst, let me tell you this and pass it on. We, we now do have it written, but the, in the very early days, it was passed on verbally because not everything was written down. But it comes to us, the bishops themselves are in succession from the apostles. So that's what we mean by tradition and the capital T traditions in the church. Um, if you're not familiar with that, they, it has to do with our liturgical practices. The tradition here in question, so reading on in section 83, the tradition here in question comes from the apostles and hands on what they received from Jesus's teaching and example and what they learned from the Holy Spirit. Because remember, the Pentecost happened with them. The first generation of Christians did not yet have a written New Testament, and the New Testament itself demonstrates the process of living tradition. So you see they're, they're connected there. Tradition is to be distinguished from the various theological, disciplinary, liturgical, and devotional traditions born in the local churches over time. So what does that mean? I've heard it explained like this. It's little t tradition. Little t tradition. So what are we talking about here? The, there are disciplinary, theological, liturgical, devotional traditions like like praying the rosary. Like it's not I know this upsets some people. It's not required by the Catholic Church that we pray the rosary. It's a devotion proposed to us. So if you don't pray the rosary, you're not sinning. If you prefer another devotion, you're allowed to do that. Um, but so many people love the rosary. It is one of the most popular yeah. ones. But there's lots of there's lots of devotions to saints, lots of devotions to novenas. Um, there's lots of that stuff that we're allowed to pick from as it, as it suits our personality and our needs in our life. And those are called little T traditions. They're not required to do them, but they're, but they're legitimate. They're there if you want to. The capital T traditions has to do again, mostly with um, the practice at the Holy mass. So in light of the capital T tradition, these little T traditions can be retained, modified, or even abandoned under the guidance of the church's magisterium. So it's important to know the difference in those two things. And I admit, when I was first Catholic, I was pretty confused by all that. Mm -hmm. Um, But the important thing, if you're new to this, is to realize that the Catholic church is not based on scripture alone. Because think about it, it wouldn't make sense. The New Testament scriptures, like I just said, they're evidence of the importance of tradition. They wouldn't be here if it weren't for tradition. And Mm -hmm. so there's two parts of it. And if you're wondering, okay, great, well, how do I know what all the tradition is? It's in the catechism. Like when Mm -hmm. I say that's the book of answers, I'm serious. The -hmm. traditions, the capital T traditions that you must grant assent to and adherence to in the Catholic faith, 
are all in the catechism and not just given in the catechism, but every, if you look at it, you see all the footnotes at the bottom. It's mm -hmm. referenced. And like for today's lesson, if you go look up Day Verbum, where I'm talking about this, there's also Crawford's references to scripture. But if you go to Day Verbum and you look up the section that the catechism is referring to, Day Verbum itself will have footnotes that mm -hmm. reference to earlier encyclicals and earlier writings of the church fathers who mm -hmm. themselves, if you look them up, are referencing scripture and what was handed on by the apostles. So you literally have done this. Uh, it's a scholarly pursuit, but you can, you literally can trace it all the way back through the references, through following the references. And mm -hmm. I think that's beautiful. That was pretty exciting to me because I was like, wow, this stuff is serious and it's all laid down there. Mm -hmm. And um, we we can we can find out where this teaching comes from if we want to know. Yeah, yeah. No, I love that. I love the the traditions that are that are handed down. And and I mean it. It even says in Deuteronomy, um, I believe it's in chapter six. You know, he's he's saying recite them to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're away. When you lie down. When you rise up. Bind them as a sign on your hand, uh, on your forehead, write them on the doorpost. He's saying, keep these things in front of you, pass them mm -hmm. down from generation to generation, tell the stories over and over. And, and, you know, it was part of the, the Passover ceremony where, you know, a small child would say, now, why are we doing this? And they would <laughs> tell the story over yeah. and over every year. And, you know, it was passed down because like you said, they didn't have, you know, they didn't have it all written down for a long time. Mm -hmm. And so they had to pass it down. It's like we passed down, you know, mm -hmm. my grandmother did things that my mama did that I do that now mm -hmm. my kids are doing. We pass things down. And uh, I just, I just love that. I mean, it even says in the new Testament, there were so many things that Jesus did that if, if there were, if they were all written down, that the world could contain, could not contain all the books that would be written. There were mm -hmm. so many things. And yeah. So I'm just, I, I love to learn about the tradition. I, th I think it enriches the scriptures. It does. And we can still, like you're saying, Stacey, I think that's an important point that we do still think of it as passing down. Like if you're teaching your kids the faith and all you do is write things down and hand them a piece of paper, you're not going to develop the relationship with them, right? Right, you, right. You, we know that. Like there's a certain aspect of handing on the faith that has to be even today handed on orally. We have to teach it to each other. That's what catechists do in the church. Yes, absolutely. And that's what we're doing here. It's what we do with our kids. And hopefully that's what our kids then do with their friends is explain the teachings of the faith to, to the people they meet. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. hand yeah. it all on. Well, we hope that that helps you today. Even if you knew all this stuff, it's really important to go back to the basics. Um, it, reading from you know the letter to the Galatians this morning after reading all the writings to the Ephesians last week. Beautiful words tying us all together with the ancient traditions of the church, ancient scripture, um, tying us with God and knowing now that as we turn toward our day and go out there to do the will of God, none of us know what's going to happen. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> Oh. Oh. I'm Stacy Trisankos. And I'm Stacy Farquharson. Until next time. If you are interested in bringing Stacy and Stacy to your parish or study group for a retreat or a talk, 
They would love to come liven things up and keep it real. Please see Stacy and Stacy.site for more information. <laughs>